celebrating classics and creating new ones only on the Music Vibes Podcast. Now, here's your host, D.C. Hendrix. Welcome in. This is the Music Vibes Podcast, and I'm your host, D.C. Hendrix. Back with another edition here. Appreciate you making time for us and finding us here. Go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, everywhere podcasts are available. Go ahead and make us one of your favorites by subscribing to keep up to date. You just never know who's going to be joining us here in the Music Vibes Podcast. So this week, we're traveling back through the 70s, 80s, and even all the way through today as we talk with Rick Emmett. He was a vocalist of the band Triumph. Yeah, you may know Triumph from these songs. Emmett did end up leaving the band to take a to take on a solo career in 1988. As we're talking about some reissued classics on vinyl, the upcoming documentary, and the band being recently honored with the Legends of Live Award, which recognizes great contributions to the Canadian music industry through live music, touring, and concerts. We talk all of that and much more with our guest today, Rick Emmett, the lead singer of Triumph, the amazing solo career as well. We'll drop the needle on a Triumph classic as well, sponsored by 20 Past 4 and More, located at 2014 Broadway Street. This podcast is sponsored by the Clyde Theater here in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Here's Rick Emmett of Triumph. Hi, is DC Hendricks there, please? This is me. Is this Rick Emmett? It is indeed. How's it going today? How you feeling? <laughs> I'm going all right. <laughs> I, you're my first call of the day, so yes. you know you're getting me fresh and, and chipper. Yes. yes, get to start off, get to set off the tone. I love it. I love it. So, are you a coffee drinker? You all set to go? Yeah, yeah. I uh, <laughs> tea drinker actually, but yes, I'm oh, ready to go even better yeah you're a vocalist so yeah tea always does it a little bit better than i'm sure coffee does so yeah it's been a very interesting year i guess interesting would be the adjective i'd use to describe this year in 2020 um for our music scene just things have taken a toll on a lot of our musicians yeah. like yourself and so you personally how is this whole coronavirus covid19 pandemic how's it treated you rick I can't say it's too bad. Uh, I haven't had anyone directly related to me or in my circle, um, you know, that was affected by it so far. So, you know, uh, touch wood and cross fingers and all that. Right. My dad is still around. He's 92 and he's in a home. Wow. And uh, there's been some issues there where mm. it's been hard to be in touch with him and, and um, keep the sort of uh, connection going. And he's you know, already sort of entering into uh, kind of dementia and those kinds of things. So that's made life a little bit harder because you, you can't really get and be with him and go and visit him in his room and all of that stuff. But um, that's really, you know, the only downside of it from a, from a career point of view in music and all that stuff. You know, it's actually been great. I've had, you know, lots of creative time, and, and um, the whole thing of Zoom and stuff has been uh 
it's been good. And, and you know, it just so happens that the reason I'm talking to you is because there's this whole round hill putting out my old catalog thing. So mm-hmm. it's almost like my retirement was a career move. Uh, I guess in the same sense. And yes, you got a whole set of your solo releases reissued here and you're releasing them on vinyl. So vinyl, a vinyl guy like myself who has, you know, is trying to convert a lot of the millennials, so to speak, to go back to the vinyl record. So what made you want to reissue these on vinyl? Well, um, the first one that is on vinyl is the Triumph Classics one with Round Hill. And um, mm-hmm. that's kind of the one that they're leading with. Uh, I don't know if they're going to get to putting all my personal solo stuff out on vinyl. Originally, they're just doing it as digital downloads and, uh, you know, iTunes and all that stuff. And in my whole life, I'd never really, um, all the years, like I left Triumph in uh, 1988, Mm -hmm. and I've I've made like 13, 14 albums since I left Triumph, but Mm -hmm. um, they're doing 11 of them right now. And uh, I mean, First of all, to answer your question, you know, vinyl obviously offers a, a kind of a much more, um, uh, I don't know what you'd call it, uh, there's there's a vibe to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, holding that jacket, you know, being able to uh, see the stuff that's printed on the sleeve. Um, and then, of course, the audio experience of vinyl is, is a, you know, a different one than digital. But, um I don't know. I, I think that uh, what they'll do, I guess, Roundhill, is they'll sort of see how things go, and, and if they like it, then eventually the whole catalog will become available on vinyl. And I, I think it's great. I mean, bottom line for me, mm-hmm. to have somebody sort of say, yeah, yeah, we're actually interested in, you know, your life's work, and, and uh, you know, here's a, here's a sort of a vote for um, to, to back you up on the things that you've done in your life. Mm-hmm. That's a kind of a nice thing to have happen when you're 67 years old. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Could, couldn't have said it better myself. And you, you, you gained major points with me today, Rick. You used the word vibe on the Music Vibes podcast. You get extra credit today, extra points. Okay. That was uh, Thank you. always extra kudos when you do that and drop that here on the Music Vibes podcast. So you did mention that you did end up making the switch to solo. Just wanted to quickly, because I'm a little bit younger and I was not, um, I was around, but obviously not a whole lot of remembrance around this time but i do remember triumph growing up listening to them and then i know of your solo career just personally um what what made you make that decision to go solo well i mean i've been in the band for 13 years and i kind of felt like it had run its course for me okay. you know i'm not i'm pretty sure the other guys didn't feel the same way but uh, at the time yeah. uh, the relationship we had with mca in the states which eventually became universal mm-hmm. um i, I felt they didn't really believe in the band the way that the band had been uh, predicated. You know, the the, mm-hmm. the way that we started out, and it was like Three Musketeers and everybody believed in everybody else. It, it had become, after 13 years, it had become a lot more sort of factionalized. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, this is what happens. You know, you start out in your young guys, and yeah. you've got nothing, so, you know, you're willing to make any sacrifice. And then, you know, once success happens money enters into the equation and power and all of those kinds of things and it just felt like it wasn't uh it wasn't the situation for me anymore and i was getting tired of of uh you know making art by democracy and sort of having to have votes and only three guys in the band but i was kind of getting tired of losing the two to one votes you know mm-hmm. so um 
And when I went out on my own, the first thing I told the guys I hired for my band is I said, you know, I, I love you, I respect you, I think, you know, you're tremendous, great musicians and everything, but mm-hmm. I must make sure you understand, this is going to be a benevolent dictatorship because <laughs> I'm doing this for a reason. You know, I want to be able to do my own artistic thing and make sure that, you know, it's me that's going out there and not, you know, necessarily some sort of art by committee. Absolutely your first solo album, or is there something before that? No, that was it. That was the first one. Okay. I did three for um, a Universal in, in Canada. Well, actually, there was an independent label called Duke Street that was distributed by, by MCA Universal. Mm-hmm. And then it was about 1996 or so I started making, my, I had my own little label and started making my own records. and wow. Started with a classical guitar one, and then, believe me, man, I got <laughs> all of my yayas out. I did blues and jazz and you know anything that i wanted to do i did because i didn't have to answer to anybody mm-hmm. and um you know i was only selling them myself mm-hmm. off my own website and um so uh it, it went it went good for me i was you know i was pretty happy i mean it's not like you're ever going to get charted or get played on the radio anywhere but you know <laughs> that wasn't my concern right my concern was to sort of explore Mm-hmm. creatively and artistically sort of the, the gamut of things that I could do, you know, a hundred percent support, anything independent, anything you got to build from the ground up on your own. Absolutely commend. And I know you did that. And I've heard a lot of buzz about this live album that you got live at Berkeley back in 2000. Tell me what is the buzz? What was so great about this live show? I've heard so much about this live show. Uh, people here in the studio were telling me about it. I've seen all over social media. Tell me about that live at Berkeley in 2000. Well, it was, a. Uh... I would do a lot of shows where, uh, I mean, I would always play band shows. You know, when my agent would book me, I would go out and take a band and play shows. But a lot of my touring was turning into just going out solo or going out with a piano player or going out with another guitarist. Mm-hmm. And um, that had kind of caught on with my fans. And so then we'd made a thing on my website where if you wanted... Like, I, you'd get letters or people would send emails and say, like, hey, man, when are you coming to Fort Wayne? Hey, man, when yeah. are you coming to, you know, wherever? <laughs> and I would say, hey, you want to book a show? You know, here's the outlines for it. And here's the contract you'd have to sign. And here's the, you know, things you'd have to do. But I'll come and play if you'll. And I, it was actually something I'd seen Patrick Moraz, the guy who played keyboards for Yes. Hmm. His brother was doing a thing where he, you know, Patrick Moraz would go out and play piano in your living room. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, that's, as, as long as the security is set up properly and, it, you know, it, that's perfectly legit. I don't care. I'd be happy to do it. So one thing led to another, and there were these two guys in Boston, uh, Pete Chesna and Dan Bolton, and these two guys decided, hey, let's partner up on something, but let's not just do it, you know, like in the local church basement or whatever. Let's mm-hmm. let's go to Berkeley College, which is the music college, a very famous music college in Boston, mm-hmm. and, you know, let's book one of the recital halls there, That's and we'll, we'll do it there. And when that happened, I thought, man, this is a perfect opportunity to record. So I had a friend of mine named Mike Spinarski, uh, road manager, mixing kind of guy. I, I flew him in from uh, Detroit, mm-hmm. and... Um, yeah, so we recorded the thing. Now, here's the thing. Like, half the time I'm playing and singing, and the other half the time I'm telling stories and joking and goofing around. <laughs> and, and and we decided to leave a lot of the stories in because um, it, that was the vibe. It was just, it was kind of like, um, uh, like 
the, the whole MTV Unplugged thing. It, there was a real intimacy to it and, and, a, and a directness. And Anyways, it kind of caught on. And I think part of the fact, when you're just saying Berkeley, mm. there is that sort of... Uh, now you're sort of underscoring everything with the fact that there's a kind of an integrity to this because you're doing it at the Berkeley College of Music. Now, you know, I'm not sure I had all of that integrity, but, you know, I'm happy that it worked out for me from a marketing point of view. It did. It did. Even people my age, at least the music nerds like myself, are still all over that show. Great live show. And something else you have coming up on top of the reissued classics on vinyl. You got an upcoming documentary as well. Is that is that correct? Yeah, Banger Films, the guys that have done everything from Metallica and, and Iron Maiden and, wow. and Rush and all that stuff. Uh, they just got a new thing that's out, ZZ Top, one that they did that was out on Netflix. Hmm. So, yeah, they're doing a documentary about Triumph, and uh, it, it's crazy. Like, I've seen some rough cuts, mm-hmm. and um, it really is weird to sort of, you know, this is your life kind of a thing. <laughs> Um, and you know, I w- I'm not giving anything away by saying that they ran a, they they sort of generated a, a, a place, a, a, an event mm-hmm. where they could shoot. Uh, the best Triumph fans from all over the world were flown in, and we did a surprise little concert uh, for them, like three songs live, mm-hmm. and it was just the most unbelievable thing. The the, the feeling in the air, the the vibe of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm using your word. Yeah, there it is. Um, yeah, it was just uh, it was it was just amazing. And you know they've captured it. For, you know for, for for posterity, there it is. You know the cameras captured this this moment. So really really cool, really really great thing. And um, of course with the COVID, they, they were going to um, uh, debut it at the. Uh, TIFF Festival, which is the Toronto International Film Festival, this fall. And I don't know what's happened because of COVID. I don't know if, if uh, mm-hmm. they've got different ideas about what will happen. But it's going to be released soon, you know, regardless. They're, they're, yeah. you know, they're probably itching to move on to their next project. <laughs> so they want to get this one out and out of the way. That's right. This damn COVID, I tell you. And I've been um, I've been talking with some people because I have another show that I do for like entertainers and stuff. I talk to movie writers and directors. And I guess one thing that they've been doing to kind of adapt is releasing like their films on strictly digital. So like it goes straight to Netflix or straight to Amazon Prime or straight to Hulu. Yeah. Maybe that happens with the documentary. You never know. Maybe that's the way they adjust. Yeah, well, and of course these guys. I mean, Banger's a pretty big kind of thing now. Yeah. I mean, they used to be. Uh, they're Toronto based, but they they um, it used to be a kind of a you know mom and pop kind of a thing, but not anymore. They're large, and so they have relationships with distributors and as you say, Netflix, these kinds of things. So. And I know that's what happened with the ZZ Top thing. That it, you know, it, I think it went straight to Netflix. So, you know, that might happen. But um, yeah. anyways, it, it's a nice thing. It's like a, a stepping stone in your life. You know that that uh, somebody's come along and said, "All right, so this is." And we got into the Walk of Fame last year, and Triumph got a Legends of Live Award. There's yep. these things that are kind of like. You know, hey, this is happening, and, and uh, we, we want to recognize the contribution that you've made. So you sort of do feel like, uh, okay, I guess I've reached that age and stage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got that, and that, that obviously, and if, if correct me if I'm wrong, but that 
I think it recognizes the contributions to the Canadian music industry, right? So like the Guess Who and bands like that as well? Yeah, like when when Triumph first started, and we're talking, you know, 1975 was the first gig we played. I mean, the music business was up and thriving and running, but, the, you know, the whole idea of independence was not something that even existed in anybody's mind. The whole idea was... You know, agents would get you gigs and managers would manage your career and then get you a deal with the record company and the record company would be dealing with your manager. And mm-hmm. That's kind of how the, the structure worked. And in short order, Triumph kind of went, no, we're going to do this ourselves. And so we were independent. We, we managed ourselves. Um, Gilmore, the drummer in the band, was pretty much kind of like the general manager who also functioned as like a road manager deluxe. We we would hire a road manager when we were out on the road, and he would handle the crews and the mm-hmm. production and stuff. But we had large-scale production, and it was really like Gil was our production manager. Meanwhile, Mike Levine, the bass player, when an album would come out, he'd be working the phones, he'd be calling all of the music directors and program directors at all the radio stations. And so Mike was really our number one kind of promo guy. Mm-hmm. And... um you know, a huge amount of triumph success happened. I would say second album we did in the States was called Just a Game. It had yep. uh, Hold On and Lay It on the Line on it. Yep. And Mike was sort of making his connections and solidifying his role. And by the time we got to our fourth album, which was Allied Forces, that, well, that was the one that had Magic Power and Fight the Good Fight on it. Mm-hmm. And we got played everywhere, heavy rotation. And it was really because Mike was able to pick up the phone and go, hey, Tony, how are you doing? How are things out there in <laughs> California? You know, like, he could talk to these guys and um, chat them up, and we'd be doing uh, live broadcasts, uh, you know, concert things. We'd do special concert ticket promotions and things. and So he really helped build the band's career. So anyways, long story short, you know, that independence, even though we were the, we were with a major label, that independence was the thing that sort of made people go, wow, Triumph was kind of like this thing. Long before there was Indy, mm-hmm. there, there was Triumph. So then people turned around and said, that, plus they did all these live shows and they, and they you know, had a huge, con- like huge production and stuff. And they were kind of like a role model for, you know, bands that came along in their wake. So I don't think we invented anything. It was just that, we kind of just did it ourselves, you know? Yeah. I wanted to ask you this as well, trying to get a little behind-the-scenes look, going through these decades of Triumph. Behind the scenes, what was the most fun album to record? Oh, I would, you know, I've always sort of said that I think the band found itself with the Allied Forces record. Well, uh-huh. see, this is another thing. Like, we, the first few albums, we would take the budget from the record company and we would go and, and go into a studio and, you'd be paying somebody else to be using their place. Mm-hmm. But we had a giant warehouse where we used to store our equipment when we were off the road. And uh, we sat around and I said, well, why don't we, you know, why don't we build a place where we can make our, at least our own demos? And we started with that, had a little corner of the warehouse, and then we decided, hey, you know, the warehouse space behind beside us is, is uh, available. Mm-hmm. What if we literally sort of built our own studio and, and used that? So... Now, instead of the record company money going off to a third party, we were able to pay ourselves to use our own place. And we built the Metalwork studio, and we, that was the first album we made there, uh, Allied Forces. Mm-hmm. And it really was amazing. It was like now I had this place where I didn't have to watch the clock. 
I didn't have to worry about, um, you know, we just, we finally had a kind of a playground, artistically speak, and, and um, that first record, it was as if the band kind of found its, this is tr- sort of truly who we are, and this is what we should sound like on record, and, and um, so, I don't know, I, I always felt that was a, you know, you look back, and you, you don't know when something's happening, mm-hmm. uh, right. what it's like, but then when you can look back on it, sort of, you know, the, the vision becomes pretty good when you're <laughs> looking <laughs> in the rearview mirror, you know. Um, so that was definitely, I think, sort of a mm. turning point for the band and maybe even the high point in terms of, of making records. Yeah, absolutely. So many great records and solo records from you throughout these years with Triumph Rick Emmett. And I'm going to be looking forward to as things calm down with this whole COVID-19, be looking for more material from you and maybe some uh, touring coming up for you. Well, I don't know about that. You know, we'll see. <laughs> Figure I throw it out it's not just a question of, uh, you know, the COVID. Once once you get past that, then you have to deal with the fact that, you know, Donald Trump changed all the... I am a Canadian, after all. Right, so that's the whole that's idea right. of crossing borders has become yeah. a real mess. And uh, who knows if that's going to get straightened out. Right. Plus, I'm not getting any younger, D.C. I, like, know. I, I know. You know what I mean? Like, I, I'm going to be pretty choosy about whether or not I go out and play gigs. I don't know. I, I I just had my grandkids here for swimming yeah. in the pool, and uh, there you go. It's pretty nice to be able to just hang out and relax with your grandkids. That's so, right. I, I don't know how much touring is in my future. We'll That's see. It. That's right. I figured I'd throw it out there. I love the we'll see at the end to, to give a little uh, excitement at the end there. But yeah, I've I've done the same thing. My kids, I've got to spend so much more time with them, you know, throughout this COVID-19. So that's one positive that I could get yeah. out of this. But absolutely very excited about all of this new stuff coming out from you. And of course, appreciate you coming on here on the Music Vibes podcast, Word of the Day, and uh, talking about the solo career, talking about the reissued vinyl records coming out for Triumph and so much more. Appreciate it, Rick. Good stuff. All right. Thanks, DC. Thanks so much to Rick Emmett of Triumph for coming on the Music Vibes podcast, reflecting on his solo career and his time with Triumph and much more. The reissue copies coming out here soon, as well as the documentary, something to look forward to for all of you Triumph fans out there. So it's time. It's time to drop the needle. Sponsored by 20 Past 4 and More, located at 2014 Broadway Street here in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Go ahead and check out my main man, Kevin, for all your tobacco products and needs at 20 Past 4 and More. So let's go ahead and drop the needle on a, one of my favorite triumph tracks and probably their biggest hit to date released back in 1979 here's lay it on the line let's drop the needle What? 
travel with dc hendrix on the music vibes podcast you can subscribe on apple podcasts google play and spotify on your mobile device podcasts by federated media podcasts by federated media